Hey, hi ho This is the Preparatory Podcast, Restoration Basics. I am one of your hosts, Samuel Jordison, and I am joined by two fantastic individuals sitting across from me, and I will let you introduce yourselves, gentlemen. Fantastic one. And gentleman number two. <laughs> Jason Kane is fantastic number one, and Andrew Smith is gentleman number two. We are coming to you live from Jason's house. There's been a lot of development since the last episode you've heard. We've actually recorded episodes <laughs> after this one that we've also talked about the previous things we've released. So you're going to hear that twice. You're also going to hear Hey Heidi Ho in three episodes in a row. <laughs> I couldn't remember how hey I in- opened it. So um, yeah, it's going to sound repetitive. Let's see. Since the last episode, Jason's become a father. Um, yeah, I'm like, what was actually mentioned in the last one? Yeah, I'm a dad. We all have moved places. Yeah. I own a house. You guys are in different places and married. I don't know if, was Andrew married in our last episode? I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm thinking maybe not. So anyway, we are in Alma, chapter three of the Book of Mormon, in the Book of Alma. And this is a great chapter. We've recorded this episode previously, but it wasn't good enough because this is <laughs> this chapter is really good, um, in my opinion. If you had yeah. to draft the chapters from the Book of Mormon, Alma 3 would be in your top what, Andrew? If I had the top three picks, it would be one of my top three picks. Okay. Yeah, same. <laughs> same. <laughs> it's what a top else, three. What else are you throwing in there out of curiosity? Um, probably Moroni 7 and Alma 19 Mm, or 18. I don't remember. So the third Nephi chapters about Jesus aren't in there? Well, bold draft strategy. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) They're, they make the top five. Yeah. <laughs> I like the short books. <laughs> I like Penis. Enos. I just, I just uh, read Fourth Nephi. Like, Fourth Nephi is good. It's, it's is really good. good. It is. Uh, but so, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Well, we um, don't want to dwell too long on just how great of a chapter it is and not talk about what's in this chapter. And also, I don't really want to spend too much time summing up what happens in this chapter because I just want to get to the meat of it. Because there's a lot of, I think, little lessons you could take and we could have side conversations about what does this mean today? Like, what does it mean when we're preaching to the church today? And what does this mean? You know, different stuff. But let's really get to the meat of what's in Alma chapter three. So really quickly, it's a sermon that is preached by Alma the Younger to the church, which is why it's probably used so much today is because it's relatable. Because as a priesthood member, if you're asked to speak and you look for inspiration, oh, look, you found Alma speaking to the church really directly. And that's our right yeah. there. <laughs> Just copy and paste that. It's not plagiarism if it's the word of God and you give credit. Um, <laughs> it's, that's very true. Yeah. One time I did preach a sermon and I was like, all right, I could sum up like these 20 verses or I could just read it. And, and so I was like, I'm just going to read it. Like there's there's no reason to there. try and I was yeah. there for that one. Yeah, I forgot about that. Anyways. So, yeah, it's just a good it's a really good sermon. 
Um, and if you've been in the church for any amount of years, like maybe five years, I'm sure you've had Sunday school class about it because it seems to come up on the rotation a lot. If you've been any to any retreats or camps, I'm sure it has been a part of the theme scripture at some point. But let's just kick it off right here and say what happens in the sermon. So starting off, Alma gives the people a little history lesson about their fathers and their parents and what God did for them. And he connects them to that experience that their ancestors have had with God and the testimonies that he provided provided them and the blessings that they still are reaping today because of his faithfulness to their fathers and their mothers in a time when they were in captivity. And the first thing that I had written down when he's talking about how their parents were led out of captivity from King Noah's court and then again when they were captured again by the Lamanites is in verses 9 through 10, and he gives them the go-ahead, not the go-ahead, sorry, the description of them being delivered from bondage twice, but then he brings up the more important um, spiritual freedom that God gave them. He says, Yea, and have you sufficiently retained in remembrance his mercy and long suffering towards them? And moreover, have you sufficiently retained in remembrance that he has delivered their souls from hell? So he establishes something physical and tangible that they can relate to, but then goes even deeper with a greater reward that God gave them. Do you guys have any thoughts? I know we talk over and over and over again about changing of hearts. Is there a different way that we can say it that we get out of this chapter? Or what do you guys think of Alma's little intro to the church here when you were reading it? Well, in verse 11, I think that's a different way of saying it too, comparing it to waking up after being asleep. And I think, you know, that's a great way to say it um, because after you do have that change of heart, it's like, wow, who was I before? You know, like where, where were, uh, where were these decisions that I was making before? I, I, you know, I, I don't know. It's just a whole different life. And it's as if you were dreaming beforehand and you were making decisions in your dream, but they didn't have any consequence because you were dreaming and now they do because you're awake. Yeah. And I think I love 11 too. I'll read it here. So people listening can tell it says, behold, he changed their hearts. Yea, he awakened them out of a deep sleep and they awoke unto God. And I think this is really important because throughout the rest of the chapter, he's going to get into a place where people who are attacking the Book of Mormon or who may be hesitant, I should use not attacking it, but hesitant to accept the teaching, it's going to be very easy to say, no, this is workspace salvation. This is, um, and I know Jason mentioned we were going to talk about that, but remember that all of what Alma builds off of when he's talking about what the people need to do is built off of the fact that God changed their hearts and he awoke them out of the deep sleep and it was nothing, nothing they did, right? It was not a something they earned tying it back to grace, which I know we've talked about in a lot of episodes. Um, well, and it, when you bring up the, your forefathers and, you know, you remember the past, um, a lot of the times, especially in, you know, a spiritual and sermon setting, uh, it, it's to express, you know, that God remains faithful, uh, to his people. And, um, it says, you know, they were encircled with the bands of death and the chains of hell and the everlasting destruction did await them. And now I ask of you, my brethren, were they destroyed? And so I was just, you know, basically saying 
even when you're, you know, circled in the chains of hell, like God will remain faithful and, uh, you can be awakened out of your sleep when you're, you know, circled in darkness. And that leads into, you know, uh, we have a, a common friend who's talked about this before. Um, but, uh, and I'll, uh, I should have said that a little later. I'll circle back to that. Um, I was teaching a class uh, uh, about the uh, Holy Spirit. There was a, a, um, a young man now who wanted to be baptized, and he uh, had one more uh, session before he was going to be baptized, and, and so I gave him the choice of topic. The class would be over, and he chose the Holy Spirit. So I thought that was interesting, so I did uh, – I, I didn't want to make it something that I had heard before, you know, and want to go in a different direction. I started looking at the different um, avenues that um, the spirit uses in our lives and, and for what purpose it is used. And what I found is that it is like deeply tied to um, remembering and how often um, you find in scripture uh, the spirit and either remembrance or remember, are, are used in in the same sentence structure or, or whatever it may be, um, but they're very heavily connected. And we see that in even Moroni 4, uh, verse 4, where it uh, says we, we must remember him always, remember him being God, and he will give his spirit to be with us. Um, no, but uh, just going back to this, it, he talks a lot about uh, the workings of the Spirit as we go further into this chapter, and um, it's just good to remember, I think, for, for all of us that, again, this is God working. It's the Spirit. It's the work of the Spirit to help you to remember. And that leads back to where I started with a friend of ours often says, he likes to think this way where um, we were with God before we came here and in he's a, a big language guy. And so spirit is like the root word of spirit in, I don't know, Latin or whatever means man. And so the Holy Spirit is like the holy man. And this isn't a core belief of anyone. So I hope to not offend anyone. But um, our tweets are our own. Yeah, our tweets are our own. <laughs> But his opinion is just, you know, it, it's kind of a cool idea that, you know, when you feel the Holy Spirit, it's you feeling that version of yourself who was with God in the beginning, and you're you're remembering, you're starting to see glimpses of who you were with God, and, and that's why it feels so much like home, because that's where you started, you know? And so... That's uh, a cool point. Yeah, and I, 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 I kind of see that through this chapter, too, is that Alma's, you know trying to trying to wake them up and say hey you were home before like remember what that remember what that feels like you were with god before remember how it feels to have his spirit with you and 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 such so just keep that in mind as we keep going yeah well i think that's a cool thought when the next thing that stood out to me is i'm going to kick this right back to you and for those of you listening tell you know think in your own mind what you imagine when you hear these phrases in 17, it gives two weird phrases that, not weird, but I just didn't expect them. Okay, so it says their souls did expand, and it's talking about that in the context of the chains of hell were broken and loosed. Um, it says the people who were saved, their souls did expand, and they did sing redeeming love. Um, I did a quick 
Google on that uh, just to see if it popped up anywhere else. It does not. Singing Amanda, Redeemer. Amanda actually looked that up too. Did you? Yeah. 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 It's a weird. Oh, I wanted. To, okay. I did look up Soul Expansion. I don't know if you looked that one up. Uh-uh. That one takes you to a bunch of like uh, weird self help, <laughs> like psychic. Yeah. Um, Makes sites. sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> New age yeah. stuff. Um, oh, yeah. So, I'm, what do you guys think? For, let's, let's start with the Souls. What do you think Souls did expanding? Souls did expand means put that in other words for me my answer is really short and so i'll kick it over to jason but um it, i think it, again it just sounds very relatable to waking up that that whole word picture you know of when you're asleep you know your senses are there kind of and you can like see things and oftentimes you can see color i, I guess some people don't see color in their dreams did you know that Really? Do you guys see color? Yeah. Do. Yeah. Yeah. Some people don't, apparently. Hmm. But um, maybe they're colorblind in real life. Maybe. Huh. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but when you wake up, your senses are still there and like in a much greater force, you know? And so I see that it's like, oh, your soul is expanding. Everything who you are is expanding when you wake up to the love of God. Did you know that it's also, it's a very rare that you can ever read in a dream? Yeah. I and that's why, like, I don't know if you, I've had nightmares where I'm trying to dial 911 and I'm looking at the phone and I can't, I don't know what the numbers are. Like, um, I keep yeah. dialing wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not reading, but like in dreams, I can never, if I have to like drive somewhere, I can never actually drive. Like, I'm like, can barely steer and like I'm flying everywhere. Yeah. Motor skills are totally yeah. different. Yeah. yeah. That's actually normal if you know Jason in real life. <laughs> <laughs> I just get it. True. <laughs> Okay, I like I like your your aunt, though waking up and Jason. If you had anything to add before, I don't want to. I was kind of thinking of like in a way like claustrophobia, where um, you know sometimes when you're feeling almost like the weight of the world on your shoulders and you're or you're in just a place where um, it just feels like things are beating down on you, almost like it was talking about in. Um, you know, the darkness encircling the people. When I think of expanding, it's like, oh, you know, the weight's lifted and like I have room to breathe, mm. you know? Yeah. I like that. So. Yeah. That's a good, good way of thinking of it. It's kind of cool that we all have different uh, thoughts when we think, think of um, souls expanding because my thought was Chuck Murnix came and preached at Columbia last oh, week yeah? and uh, he, I really liked his sermon. Um, he talked about a variety of different things. And I think he borrowed this actually from someone else that, that he had heard. So maybe Jason, you have heard it too. But he talked about how it doesn't really matter what he talked about, but the example was his is, and I'm now applying it to soul's expansion. So if you have a, say a penny, um, the penny is smaller. Let's say the inside of the penny represents your knowledge of God. And the ridge along the penny represents what you don't know about God. Mm. Um, when you grow in that knowledge, mm-hmm. let's say you have the a quarter now because your knowledge has grown. And so your knowledge of God is bigger, but also the ridge of the quarter is bigger. So it's expanded. And now there's even more you don't know about God. If mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So I was thinking about your soul's expanding and then in connection with understanding, like singing, redeeming love, understanding God's love. Is like your soul's growing and you're just, if the edge of the 
quarter of the circle is a knowledge or a knowledge of God's love, you're just getting more of that with the the growth of your soul. I don't know thoughts. And but, with yeah. redeeming love, you're talking about redemption and charity, basically, and that's what. Um, you know, I'd say charity can lead to redemption as well. Um, and it kind of just goes in with how we're talking about, um, salvation here coming up in a bit. But, um, I think when, yeah, when, when you grow, then you're increasing in your relationship with Christ. And then you learn about the true love that he has. So, yeah. So what did you, well, I'm curious now about redeeming. What did you guys, you and Amanda, find when you looked it we up? didn't really find. We didn't look at like specific definitions that other people were saying or anything. Um, we were just looking to see if it was anywhere else in any scripture, and we you know couldn't find it anywhere. So. Yeah, was, I was trying to think of people that I would even use the term. Oh, they're singing redeeming love. And mm-hmm. there's no one that came to mind. And I don't say that as like, oh, I don't know anyone mm-hmm. even nice. But, but no, because there's a lot of people that I would take scriptural words and apply them. And what I see. Mm-hmm. But redeeming love is an interesting phrase. Well, and funny enough, there was a Christian movie that oh yeah came out mm. a couple years ago mm-hmm. called Redeeming Love. Was that about Jeremy Camp? No. This oh, that one was about, was about the Hosea. The, uh, yes. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, the controversial. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mixed opinions about that one. <laughs> oh, uh, speaking of, just to circle back, because I had that little jab at Jason, I have also um, not been a great driver all my life, and I once crashed our van into a fire hydrant. So, <laughs> Poles, if, fire hydrants, you know. <laughs> <laughs> those darn things that don't move and get out of the way. <laughs> I also hit something that wasn't moving, but it was a car. Ooh. Sam was with me. Oh, yeah. That was also on ice. I hit the yeah. fire hydrant by sl- sliding on ice. And yeah. yeah, I remember when I was in the car, I was doing that, that mom so thing lame. where oh. I was like pressing down on the brake from the passenger <laughs> side, you know, where yeah. you're right, yeah, yeah. your right foot is like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we probably remember that different. I remember starting, it was on a bridge and there was a truck on the other side of the bridge just stopped. And I remember seeing that truck and just slowly braking. And just thinking the car was good, getting slower. And then I remember you saying, uh, and like, I mean, we were talking. So I was like, oh, maybe we aren't slowing down as much as I thought. And so I looked, sure enough, yeah, we weren't slowing down. And so I like stomped on the brake, nothing. I felt like I was going like eight miles an hour that whole time. Yeah. It was very slow. And yet I totally wrecked the little car whatever oh that was the jetta yeah uh, r.i.p in peace yeah uh, <laughs> um back to salvation um there's a lot that we could take out of alma 3 and i really encourage anyone who's listening to go read it because i think you'll probably pick up something that none of us three picked up and it'll interest you and you'll find some rabbit hole to jump through the next thing i had was the series of questions that alma asks the people after he's given them their history lesson and he's turned it then on them and where they are. And he gives them actually kind of five criteria or questions. And for the longest time I had these down in a different order than he says them to them. But then when I was reading it again, this last time 
I really doubted that and kind of tried to. Anyway, doesn't matter. Doesn't my study habits don't really matter to you? Um, but I am going to ask you guys. I'm going to give you the questions, and then I'm going to see what you think and how it relates to some other things in scripture. Um, and I'll read the questions now. He asked the people, starting in verse 27. He says, "Have you been spiritually born of God?" The second one is, have you received his image in your countenances? Third one he asks is, have you experienced this mighty change in your hearts? Next is, do you exercise faith in the redemption of him who created you? And the last one, I mean, he asked more eventually, but the last one in this section is, do you look forward with an eye of faith and view this mortal body raised in immortality and this corruption raised in incorruption to stand before God to be judged? Um, and it's even longer than that, but just uh, to sum it all up. So there's five questions there. And I want to ask you guys, because there's, he's talking to the church and he's also giving them a very, I guess we would say elementary view of, Hey, this is a simplified, dumbed down explanation. You people in the church, have you done all these things? There's another point in scripture It's Hebrews six, and it's the principles of the gospel. And I went through and I lined each of these questions up with an attribute of the principles of the gospel, which are repentance, faith, baptism, laying on of hands, and resurrection and judgment. And maybe there's a lot of people out there that would never do this, wouldn't even think to. But I'm curious, do you guys see a correlation with those? Do you see, do you get something else out of it? Do you line them up one for one? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it makes sense. I never thought about them being paired up before. It does make sense in the same in 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 the way that um, whenever you see God, you don't maybe describe Him in the same words that someone else would use, but you're describing the same God, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, for Alma to see God in this instance and try to instance and to try to relay that version of god that or mm, not version of god the the vert i, I know what try you're trying to say, to say. It again yeah, yeah the like describe god right basically right yeah or describe how to meet him yeah yeah successfully to, in, right <laughs> <laughs> to network <laughs> <laughs> to network with god yeah as he's trying to do that i mean it sounds very similar to how paul says it you know in the new testament and how many others say it also um, but i find those two yeah, I, I can see a correlation. So, if you had to choose, would the question, have you spiritually been born of God, relate more to repentance, faith, baptism, laying on of hands, or resurrection and judgment? Baptism? That's what I have. Yeah, I'd agree. <laughs> yeah. I'd, and if someone else has someone else, that's fine. I think that's the great thing about different voices, especially in scripture, because we're not all going to understand the same way. The next question was, um, have you received his image in your countenance? So would you say that correlates with repentance, faith, laying on of hands or resurrection and judgment? I'd probably say faith. Yeah. I think this could go faith or repentance. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So that's the first one we differed on. Um, well, it's only the second one. So <laughs> Not sh- not sh- not shocking again. <laughs> wow, you're batting five hundred. Um, no, um, okay. So explain to me why you don't have to explain to me. That sounds to me, but you know what I mean. Why do you get? Uh, well, which one did you have? I had. Um, 
Sorry if I'm talking loud. My headphones are weird. I had image in your countenance in a weird way on with laying on of hands. Oh. Just because okay. the spirit is given to you yeah. at that point. Yeah. But Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I but, can see that. But I'll change my answer if you want. <laughs> <laughs> for for me, I said faith because like when I'm saying when I'm thinking about receiving his image in my countenance, it's more of a like, is this an everyday thing for me? And so I think that's driven Ooh. by faith mm-hmm. is you have to have that faith and act on, you know, Christ's word to receive that image in your countenance. But I like it. I yeah. like that answer. Better. Yeah. No. And in that similar vein, that's kind of why I was thinking it could be repentance as well as that is um, receiving his image seems like a process and, that reminds me of repentance being a process too, starting from somewhere and, and improving and uh, starting somewhere without his countenance and you receive it. Yeah. And then so that I, yeah, all three of those, I think were pretty close. I'm curious what, where you would put this next one. Cause the next question is, have you experienced this mighty change of heart? You put that with repentance. repentance. Yeah. I yeah. Repentance. Okay. repentance. Yeah. Oh, so now you open up that. Spot. Well, so, yeah. <laughs> understandable. I, I was going one at a time, not thinking about the future. <laughs> you have the forethought, forethought of uh, having these verses. And I'm not looking ahead. ahead at all. Yeah, Andrew gets done with his fantasy soccer drafts and only has midfielders, no defenders. <laughs> you don't need them, honestly. <laughs> okay, next one is, exercise, have you exercised faith in the redemption of Jesus? We got, I guess for you guys, you have laying on of hands, a resurrection and judgment left. But do those correlate more with repentance, faith, baptism, any of those? Faith, probably. I mean, as it says. Exercise faith, yeah. It says. Um, and then the last one, which. I could see laying on a hands going with that last one, actually, too. Exercise faith. In yeah. Like a, yeah. It always seems like a, a that's such a concrete way to exercise. Like, uh, you have to ask for something, you know, like whether it's. Um, well, you don't ask for uh, um, uh, ordination, but I mean, like, like with you know, baptism and stuff, like, yeah, having the laying on of hands for the confirmation, like, that's a you know act of faith and the redemption, right? Yeah. And like the first act of faith, you, yeah, kind of. I mean, in in a physical way, yeah. Well, I've always thought of. Because whoever wrote Hebrews, well, the way he explained it, you know, he gives the different steps. And it's so funny to me because I've always seen repentance or sorry, baptism and laying on of hands is like A and B, like not even a separate mm, yeah. number. Just because mm-hmm. the way we do it now mm-hmm. is very much, okay, you got baptized by the water. Let's get you confirmed in front of everybody at the next communion service type mm-hmm. thing. It's very much a paired you, thing. You change in the back room yeah. and we yep. sing three hymns and then by the time we're done, you're hopefully dry. <laughs> I've definitely had one that's lasted six hymns and people were getting a little tired of singing, let me tell you. <laughs> um, and then the last one, which would leave us all uh, make sense, is do you hope for incorruption and or immortality um mm-hmm. which i think goes along with the resurrection and judgment yeah um, and i i don't know i thought that was a cool exercise to line them up um i obviously. think you had a really good point they did end up i mean like uh like we said you had the forethought of looking through those and and uh, 
doing that uh not on on the air but they did match up pretty well yeah and and even if you don't think it's a one-to-one it all goes together sure like Mm -hmm. you can even put you know one to all of them you know yeah sure you can it's not a perfect <laughs> match but like yeah, yeah. no i know you, and also there was a, th- a third i thought about alma 7 or corinthians first corinthians 13 mm-hmm. talking about hope brings about faith or was it hope brings about faith or faith brings about hope one of the this is bad you know they hope faith and love all work together and one yeah leads to one and one leads to humility and meekness and then that leads to and so there's mm-hmm. i mean different areas and never want to box one in but it is cool to draw connections i think hopes first hopes first i think yeah all right you heard it here first <laughs> well <laughs> unless you've read your scriptures right? so, <laughs> um and then my notes after this get pretty um barren as we were talking earlier um and I mentioned that my study habits usually lead to me starting out this chapter really strong. And then as I begin to think and dwell on the things I'm reading about, my mind just drifts away from what I'm reading. And then when I get to the end of the chapter, I couldn't really tell you the last 10 or so verses because I've been drawing other lines and stuff like that. But after Alma poses these questions to um, the individuals of the church, he talks specifically about judgment and standing before God. And he asked them if they could ever feel comfortable. And one of the questions that I was, you know, that I would ask anyone today from the pulpit or, you know, in a conversation would be pretty heavy, but it would basically be, are you prepared to meet God? Because that's one of the expectations of a member of Christ's church is that you are prepared to meet God because you are preparing in this life at this time is a preparationary period, preparatory podcast. That's what we're all about to meet god and if you're not then there's an issue and uh i think in our culture and where we're at today there'd be a lot of people in the church that would just say no i'm not yet prepared to meet god which is understandable because it's a lifelong journey but it's heavy um because alma gives some some sins and i know we've skipped over some stuff that you guys wanted to talk about because i'm now i'm in 50 so we can backtrack but he gives them, if you have pride, you're not prepared to meet God. If you're not stripped of envy, you're not prepared to meet God. If you're mocking your brother or persecuting him, which is a heavy word today because we don't ever imagine ourselves persecuting anyone. But if you're talking bad about someone, if you're gossiping, if you're making life harder than it needs to be for literally anyone, then you're probably not prepared to meet God. Um, so, I'm, I'm going to stop and I'm going to get off my soapbox and I'm going to kick it to to you guys, because I know you had some notes about um, verses in, I believe, 30 and 40, somewhere in there. Yeah, we, we just had, uh, Jason and I both had a, a mental note about 39 and 40, um, and I'll just go ahead and read those, because those are pretty good. Um, it says, I say unto you, you will not, excuse me, you will know at that day that ye cannot be saved, for there can no man be saved except his garments are washed white. Yea, his garments must be purified until they are cleansed from all stain through the blood of him of whom it has been spoken by our fathers who should come to redeem his people from their sins. And uh, as we kind of were talking about what we'd like to talk about, um, we mentioned that um, 
this chapter has uh, a great potential to witness to all sorts of people who believe in Christ, whether you be Catholic or Protestant or whatever, whatever walk of uh, Christianity, um, because I think it really explains the meat of the gospel in such a, in such an easy, you know, easy and yet so deep way. Um, and this is the, the beginning stages of that where he's explaining to us how we are saved and there's no confusing it. You know, it is only Jesus that saves us. And, and so, okay, yep, there's, there's the, the one, you know, point for those people that say, well, you work your way to heaven. Well, it's not what the Book of Mormon says. It's not, not how it shows up. And we'll see later um, that there's uh, a point to another group of Christians, possibly. Um, but we'll get into that when we, we get there. Jason, you have any more about that? Yeah, I, I think when you start talking about judgment and um, being judged for your works and stuff like that, uh, which it talks about in the 30s of the verses, you can definitely interpret it in a way in which it might you might think that the works are overshadowing the grace that we know um, we're saved by. Um, but yeah, the, the key verse there is um verse 40 there and it says yeah you know yay's garments must be purified until they're cleansed from all stain through the blood of him and whom has been spoken by our fathers who should come to redeem his people so from their sins from their sins (laughs) (laughs) redeem his people from what jason (laughs) no and so i i think that's an an important thing and um because i i watch a lot of non- or a lot of mainstream Christian people. And I, I watch a lot of like anti Mormon type things, even though we're not Mormon, um, just to kind of see what some of the arguments are. And a lot of the times I get a little frustrated when I see, you know, if they do look into the book of Mormon, um, how they are interpreting what they're mm-hmm. reading. And, um, so I, I've been kind of thinking when reading lately, um, of how, other mainstream Christianity people might uh, look at this, but there, there is judgment. And I think everyone um, agrees with that. Um, But I feel like some people think that we'd never be judged because we've already been judged just by being humans. But I, I, you know, here it says, that we'll have a perfect remembrance of all of our wrongdoing. And um, that's something that's not fun to think about. Um, But to me, that just is showing that even when we're standing face to face with God, that we'll be humbled and realize how much we need our garments washed clean by the blood of Christ. Right. Um, and, and so that, that's just something that I think about. And, and really I get kind of some anxiety when I think about, um, judgment and like meeting God and am I prepared to get meet God? Because I kind of tend to go down a bit of a rabbit hole where I'm thinking of like, Oh, I would say this phrase and to prove, you know, that I 
am in the right headspace or whatever. And then I start feeling like I'm trying to manipulate my way to <laughs> heaven or something. And I, it, it is an icky feeling. And I, I think about it a lot actually. And so it's kind of just a, um, I, I think that part is important where it's like, you still need that humbling, um, through the judgment of God. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, and to go kind of off of that, here's the thought I've had, you know, uh, when we talked about the fundamentals or, um, the, you know, like the, the steps of the church, if you've seen that, uh, picture of, um, faith, repentance, baptism, you know, um, and the last one being eternal judgment. And we, we think about that. I had always thought about that as, Oh, not eternal judgment rather than uh, eternal judgment more more like at the end of time judgment mm-hmm. <laughs> when in fact it it is eternal judgment and if it's eternal then it's happening now yeah and eternal doesn't mean yeah. just once we're dead you know oh, yeah <laughs> it's for like, sure it's prior and during and well of it, all vast history of time that doesn't actually exist (laughs) absolutely yeah and so i think that deeply applies to um god's gift to us in the form of agency and so because he's given us this gift of agency we can look forward to tomorrow where we can look forward to the rest of today where we can use our best judgment to have him in our lives in the the um the most that we will allow uh, because he is accepts he is accessible to us and his spirit is accessible to us and so in life we are um, granted this judgment where we are trying to judge righteously right as we're told to or unrighteously and so this this oh, um, I lost the word earlier not fundamentals of the gospel principles of the gospel mm-hmm. this last principle of the gospel is that that eternal judgment that that we are currently a part of is that we want christ in our life today we want this process of being stripped of pride happening to ourselves today so that we can look forward and and you know continue to wake up every day Oh, and awaken uh, unto God, as it says earlier in the chapter, like we talked about. But you know, I, I, I've also you know had that reoccurring anxiety of being in front of God's uh, judgment seat, where He has the gavel and <laughs> um, He says, "All right, well, where should you be?" You know, like uh, anything, yeah. any number of situations like that. And I have to remind myself, you know, the one of our principles of this gospel is that we have the choice whether to accept the grace of God and he has freely given that grace to us. And I mean, that's, <laughs> that's why we should be singing redeeming love, you know? Yeah. Ooh, that's a good, good yeah. throwback. Segway, Not, yeah. yeah well, what's the thing where you go back to earlier part of the conversation? Callback? Callback. Yeah. Call good callback. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> redeeming love. Yeah. We're good with words, aren't we? Yeah. So it's been a while. <laughs> I, I, you can always, make, I can make that. It's yeah, <laughs> you always hear that this podcasting is like, man, you need to get in practice. And you never really think so until you come back after a few months. Dang. I yeah. don't remember How five letter words. words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My 
I liked what both of you said. Um, and when I read that part about Alma, you know, telling them, hey, you can't be saved unless your garments are white. And also building off the we're saved by grace is he's, if you read this chapter in totality, he's trying to walk the line of, like Angie said, the extreme of, hey, I will earn my way to heaven. He's trying to walk the line between that and, hey, I've accepted Jesus Christ as my savior. And so, all this dust and bad sin you see on my garments, it doesn't matter. He's trying to like, no, you can't do that. And no, you can't just rely wholly on your own merits. Like he's trying to thread that needle so Mm -hmm. good. One of my favorite, well, I shouldn't say favorite because I think it's pretty scary. Um, It's a a warning um, is Jesus in Matthew 7. And we all know this verse. It's in 30 and 30 through 33. Um, It's not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, that shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my father who is in heaven. So, he's tied it to he that doeth the will of my father. So, he's tied tied works kind of to that, right? Because you're doing the will of the father. But he also then brings, for the day soon cometh that men shall come before me to judgment to be judged according to their works. And many will say unto me, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and cast out devils and in thy dumb and not dumb and in, and in thy name done many wonderful works and i'll say ye never knew me depart from me ye that work iniquity and so there's a so he's talking about like hey you need to do the will of my father and then that's not what <laughs> he's he's he just ties that's it back not to saving you right yeah you're supposed to do the will of my father when you're judged but that's not saving yeah um and in a way i'm butchering this whole thing um, because what I'd like to really say is, um, no, you need to accept the grace of Jesus and let that work in you to bring about good works. You want to know Jesus because what's the last thing? Well, one of the last things that Jesus does before he is crucified is he washes his disciples' feet. And what's Simon do? He's like, no, I don't want you to wash my feet because I don't. Eat, I don't deserve this. And Jesus is like. If you don't let me wash your feet, then you're not. You have good. no place. Yeah, you have no place with me. Um, it's it's a heavy. That's harsh. Yeah, it's a heavy topic. Like I I can't imagine. I can't imagine that if. Um, well, this is a drastic example, but I guess that was a drastic comment. Like I can't imagine being engaged to Zoe and her saying like, "Hey, if you don't let me take out the trash, we can't be married." I'd be like. <laughs> Yeah, no, you can take out trash whenever, <laughs> whenever, whenever you want. Sorry, made a little burst of sound right there, but I can't imagine that. But that's what Jesus was trying to to get across: is like there needs to be my faith and love in you, and and it's got to bring forth good works. You can't have one without the other, and you have to accept it. Yeah, like yeah. Christ is giving us His love. And not everyone wants to accept it. And so, exactly what you were saying, like, Simon's like, no. And it's like, well, you got to accept it. Like, (laughs) this is, you know, who I am and what my love is. And um, it's, yeah, it's doing the small, dirty things and caring so much for your brother that you would do that. But it's also, you know, symbolic of the cleaning of our hearts that Christ can do. So, And I wonder some, you know, a part of that story 
I wonder how much of it is him being prideful in the fact of, I know, you know, like he's just thinking to himself, okay, I know Jesus is, I, I know Jesus is the son of God. So I'm going to keep him there. Like I'm going to keep him on this throne. I'm going to do that myself. And so when Jesus mm. starts to wash his feet or wash everybody's feet, he's looking around and going like, guys, guys, he's not supposed to be there. It's your responsibility to keep him on the throne. You know, like wash his mm. feet, do stuff for him. And then he comes and says that to him. And he's like, whoa, you know, uh, uh, it, like, wow, that totally changes my whole perspective because in his mind you know like that was his responsibility and yet our responsibility is to not tell god what to do yeah. <laughs> and that comes i mean that's what it comes down to he he was trying to tell god what what he should do and and that's not how it should go obviously yeah know? absolutely do you guys have anything else because my um next thing i obviously had the the warnings about hey if you're not if you're bike back if you're bike batting if you're backbiting or you're gossiping or you're prideful or you're you know sinful in any way you're not prepared to meet God did you guys have anything else because my next thing isn't for a little bit I actually can't find the verse I'm looking for it my last thing is in the last verse so <laughs> yeah I just you know since we went away and came back I just reiterate like I think the sole mission of a church and you know the priesthood and everything should be preparing the people to meet christ and if if you're wondering if you're going in the right direction just ask is this goal being accomplished by us doing this and so you know if you have any contentions among you or whatever just be like all right what what are we trying to do to help us prepare to meet god yeah. And um, I, I just think that's so important to have that mindset and to, you know, just have that mission statement in your mind of right, we need to prepare. Yeah. It's the, one of the most heavy questions you can ask anyone. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you give it a serious answer of if someone asks you, hey, are you prepared to meet God? I mean, that's daunting. That's, yeah. And you're not like you're, you're not prepared to meet yeah. God. Like I, I can, I can say with a surety, like 99% of people yeah. are not prepared. Yeah. Like, it, but that's why like God already knew that and he knew it, you know, over 2000 years ago when, you know, he sent Christ to die for us because we weren't prepared. And so we needed s something to help us. Um, and, and that's where we have that gift of grace and um yeah it's just huge but that doesn't erase our need for preparation so hmm. yeah agreed absolutely because a, a part of that is when we're accepting grace that means we're repenting and repentance you know that's doing what we can you know to scrub our garments a little bit and um handing it over to christ so he can actually you know be the washing machine the funny thing about the gospel is that we like to compartmentalize it into terms and you can't yeah yeah and, and it's like i start saying this and you know like oh i went through this experience and you go okay you say okay that's that's like repentance working in your life and you're like 
oh yeah okay i guess and sam says hey that's faith like really starting to work in your life mm -hmm. you know like everything is the same <laughs> it's it's when it's it comes down to it yeah exactly it, when it comes down to it there's that verse that says all good things come from god in verse 67 it says for i say unto you that whatsoever is good cometh from god and whatsoever is evil cometh from the devil and you know like we think of that as okay well ice cream comes from god and and uh like genocide comes from satan you know and and I think that's pretty apparent. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty apparent. But looking at it the other way around, it's almost as if like ice cream goes to the devil. <gasps> no, <laughs> no, it's think about it. genocide comes. <laughs> no, wait, not that way around. No. Not that way. So it's almost as if like you start with God and you say, okay, anything that comes from God is good. And that's its definition. And so you look at repentance. Oh, that comes from God. That's good. You know, like capital G good because it comes from God. And everything just comes, every good thing comes from God. And and so, I don't know, that probably didn't make sense. It did in my head, but my head oh, makes sense. deals with weird analogies like orange juice running cars and stuff. Gas was right there for you to use. <laughs> <laughs> that's a callback <laughs> true check out episode i don't know what it, yeah, no, it's <laughs> I pretty know, early i don't know what episode it is i like that we kind of jump to this point in in the chapter because alma is giving the people a last hurrah almost on summing everything up and being like hey i know i gave you those heavy questions um and here's the answer like Jason, I loved what you said um, about, no, you will never be prepared to meet God. Um, but here's how it, we can still be on the right path. Um, and it starts with that gift that he gave us that helps us understand good for, for good and evil for evil. And we build off that. Um, and Alma is very clear that um, he's speaking to us plain, so we can't err. Um and he also talks about how he's been commanded to stand and teach these things, which we could hammer again today, how important it is for us to still do that. Um, but I want to talk about something. The last note I had um, was in verse uh, 86, because I think it relates to the truth today. I know I said I didn't really want to talk about anything but the meat of this. I didn't want to do any of that application type thing, but I did, uh, I guess, at the end of my notes. It says, Alma's talking about his job to preach to everyone in the land, and he says, the aged, and also the middle-aged, and the rising generations. He's going to cry unto them that they must repent and be born again. I just think it's really cool to see Alma illustrate that he acknowledges that there's three different, and you can break these down further, there's different groups that he's calling to repent. They all have the same goal in mind, just like you said earlier, Andrew, like what is the purpose or what's the what's the goal here? Mm. Now that may not look the same for all of those three groups in particular, right? He may not reach the the middle age the same way as he meets the the rising generation, but the end goal is the same, and he's gonna do, he's gonna work towards that. I just think that today there's a lot of attempts to fit a fit a, a one size fits all on our on our different generations 
Um, blanket rules. Blanket rules. And, uh, you know, for a long time, if you were a, uh, I mean, especially with the rise in technology, you're, you're getting different, a wider generation gap in terms of interest and abilities and gifts. I don't know if terms that's one of everything in terms of everything. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I just don't want it to be lost. And I know it's not on, on parents. I know that there's a lot of people who feel lost out there in this environment, but the goal is not to get, you know, 14 year olds sitting through another like sermon given by a like monotone <laughs> person. It's so that they repent and understand God and any way we can get that to them is good. And also just engaging things, you know, the, the people who are aged and older, let's find things that they can do active in the church and, and give them engaging stuff because this call to repentance is not a passive one. I'm kind of getting lost here. Cause I didn't, like I said, by the end of the chapter, I'm zoning off and going into different areas. So I didn't have a lot of notes more than just Alma 386, but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, but you know what I mean? You're just you're yeah. preaching the same message, but you may have to change the voice sometimes and uh, that's okay. And, and it's wrapped up perfectly in 88 where he says, I say unto you that the spirit saith, behold, the glory of the king uh, of all the earth and also the king of heaven shall very soon shine forth among all the children of men. Sorry, I started reading verse 88. I'll back up. <laughs> verse 87. Thus saith the spirit, repent all ye ends of the earth for the kingdom of heaven is uh, soon at hand. And I think that encapsulates all the generations working to you know like that is the end result of these generations looking towards god and being awoken awaken awakening yoked awakened yeah uh, being awakened um unto god is that the, i mean that's the that's the end result the kingdom of heaven that's what we're describing that's what we're all working towards what a, what a place what a what a cool thing um that's all i had i know you guys ha or andrew you at least had something for the last verse um you want to you want to carry us home here oh and it's yeah i mean it's just really short too but um i'll read this um it's the second part of the uh, last verse and happens to be 108 in our version it says i speak by way of invitation saying come and be baptized unto repentance that ye also may be partakers of the fruit of the tree of life. Again, he's just flat out saying, you know, like, I am inviting you to be a part of something that is magnificent, and you have this opportunity to um, to give in to that spirit that wants you to, go to do good. And it references... Um, that in verse 68 earlier, that if you do good works, you're hearkening unto the voice of the good shepherd and you do follow him. Um, and again, he's just asking you to follow him because he sees, I mean, if you know Alma's story, you know where he's been to in his life. You know he's been to bad places <laughs> of his own doing. And he knows that this invitation is special and and it's for everyone, you know. And so I just love how poetically he says, "Just 
be baptized, come and be baptized unto repentance, that ye also may be partakers of the fruit of the tree of life. Isn't that just something great that we all have to look forward to? Absolutely. And this economy? Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Well, do you guys have any thoughts before we close the the episode? Because I think this was a, a great that was a great way to end it right there with the invitation. Because it's such a it's kinda of like how Paul's letters all and all the epistles, like they end great and this ends great. And whenever I'm preaching, I want to end with one of these because like it's mm-hmm. a natural end because yeah. it is an end to a yeah. <laughs> to an address of people. So I don't think we can get better than that. Yeah. I'll try not to trample on it, but I just did <laughs> want to bring out in the 90s verses. Um, basically, I think Alma sets up that one pride is the enemy of repentance and sanctification. So strip yourself of pride. And that's a huge thing you can do to um, be sanctified, purify your heart. And change your heart. Did you say trample on purpose? Because in 92 it says trample. I didn't say trample on purpose, but. And trample the Holy One under your feet. Oh, yeah. I did read that, but. <laughs> Subconsciously, <laughs> it was, it was, it was subcon- in your brain. Um, Sorry. And, um, and then it also shows it's going with the shepherd um, theme of, you know, Christ being the shepherd. And it says, if we hearken unto him, um, it's basically saying he will protect us because it says in 104 and behold, if a wolf enter his flock, doth he not drive him out? Yea, And, uh, at the last, if he can, he will destroy him. Um, and now I say unto you that the good shepherd doth call after you. And if you hearken unto his voice, he will bring you into his fold and ye are his sheep. So that's a pretty solid, you know, strip yourself of pride hearken unto the voice and that voice will lead you and protect you. And you know, Christ has done everything for us. So don't be a political sheep. Yeah. Be be a, be a a sheep of God. Yeah. Yeah. In this economy, (laughs) in this economy, (laughs) (laughs) we want to thank you guys for listening. Um, We are going to try and be semi more regular now um you won't have to wait a year and a half for new episodes because we have some in the pipeline they just need to be released after alma 3 because it didn't make a lot of sense to go to alma 4 they've already been edited alma 4 and 5 are pretty much ready to go yep and we came back and recorded this one because the last one wasn't good we just have to hit publish on this one and then it's coming at you boom you can dent not dinge it, binge it. <laughs> Don't binge it. Let, let, not letters are hard. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys very much for listening, and we will catch you next time. God bless.